on this edition of the program. Mike Pence is out. Dean Phillips is in. And we talk about our failed candidate fantasy draft. It's all coming up. This is made possible by Oh Them Bones, Daily Tech News Show, Andy Beach, and Craig. November 1st, 2023, we are officially in the month of our one-year countdown to Election Day 2024, and we mark it with a sacrifice, Mike Pence. I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. The former vice president of the United States will lay down his ambitions. He will not appear at next week's debate. He will not be on the trail in Iowa. He will not be president of these United States. And so we write the eulogy for Mike Pence 24. And as we do more and more of these marching closer and closer to our climactic battle, as we see the corpses of campaigns litter this long road, I dare you, listener, to find a more doomed campaign than Mike Pence. Because when we talk about true tragedy in the poetic sense, it does not exist without promise. And Mike Pence's career has been marked by promise. He's been an up-and-comer. He looks the part. He has the resume. He was a 2016 hopeful before a nasty little scuffle over gay rights in his state of Indiana put him on the scratch and dent bin. But Trump picked him up, and the two worked exceptionally well as a pair. Trump was Trump, and Pence was somebody that everybody else in the room that were wondering whether or not Trump had gone crazy could look at and say, well, at least there's a chaperone. But here's where the doomed part comes in. It's very hard for vice presidents to run for office in general. And we usually talk about vice presidents running for office when they are coming at the end of a two-term, and we therefore assume popular, president. Even then it's hard. You know, it takes talent to be John Major's. 
It takes talent to be George H.W. Bush. And part of the reason why is that it's just hard to run on another man's legacy. Let's take you all the way back to 1960. Richard Nixon is running. He was Eisenhower's vice president for two terms. Press is asking Eisenhower, hey, what has Nixon done in the White House? And Eisenhower doesn't really have a good answer. That becomes a scandal. Nixon now has to defend charges that he didn't do anything during his eight years in office. And here's the reality of that. Vice presidents are intentionally kept away from things that are popular. There's the old adage that vice presidents are like mushrooms. They are kept in the dark and fed poop. Ask Kamala Harris exactly how full her day-to-day schedule is of things that would be particularly interesting or exciting to the American public. Mike Pence got that same treatment. And so do most vice presidents. It's not like those two were particularly defective. But when you're running for president, you have to heat yourself up. And that can be challenging. At least historically, it has been. But even then, that's a cakewalk. Because nobody in our modern era of politics has had to face what Mike Pence faced. Not only a president that is as controversial as his old boss, not only the fact that he has alienated himself with the base that would normally be the reason why he was going to be a presidential candidate. Normally it's the vice president inheriting the president's base. But the president himself... That he served the legacy that he would otherwise borrow was also in the race. This has never happened. Now you've seen a lot of stuff out there about, oh, this is a sign that the old model of a Reagan Republican versus MAGA, blah, 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 blah. I'm here to tell you a lot of that's stupid. At least I don't agree with it. Uh, If you agree with it, then that's fine. I'm sorry I called you stupid. But I just think a lot of that perspective is from a general view and not one that needs to be paid attention to, which is specifically rooted here on the Republican side of the fence. Mike Pence didn't have a lane. And what he eventually settled on was what he came to the dance with. Evangelical politics. Which brings us to our final tragedy of Mike Pence. The animating issue of evangelical voters was solved two years ago. Roe versus Wade. We're done with the excitement. We're done with the crusading. We're done with the simple mission for evangelical voters. Get out there, hit a button, and we're going to blow up the Death Star that is Roe versus Wade. 
many of them, older voters, remembering when that decision was made. This was not ancient history for them. This is something that they believe was America skidding toward decline and needed to be changed. Guess what? It was. And in its place is, you know, a bunch of hard work. So now how many people in the pews really want to ban all abortions? Hands up. How many people in the pews want to want to do it after a certain time? Maybe after a woman finds out if she's pregnant hands. Well, you want to know what? Let's not do hands up here in the pews. Let's do a secret ballot. My point here is there's not one animating issue. You can't just go out and say, I'm going to overturn Roe versus Wade. That's the way that evangelical candidates, that's their bread and butter. That's their free bird. That's their Taylor Swift secret song. And now they can't play it anymore. And it's hurt all the evangelical candidates. Bafflingly, Asa Hutchinson is still in. We're going to talk to Scrimshaw about that a little bit later. But Tim Scott's on live support. There's nobody in the race right now uh, in Iowa coming up to Iowa, which is which is right around the corner. There is no pure evangelical candidate in contention. In comparison, Mike Huckabee won this caucus. Ted Cruz won this caucus recently. The idea of evangelical overperformance is not odd. It's the norm. And it's curtains for Pence. He couldn't get traction. He didn't have a lane. And now he's been claimed. By the campaign undertaker. Weep not for me, mother. For eternity is my reward. This is your update brought to you by TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Again, that is TakePoliticsSeriously.com. Please head on over there right now so you can get the bonus episodes of this show. Next week, uh, we begin a little fall break for me, uh, quite possibly the last, <laughs> the last break I'm going to have in a year. So please, 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 uh, uh bear with me. I'm, I'm going to be in Europe for a couple weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. So we're going to have some guest hosts, but guess what? Even when the guest hosts are guest hosting, you are going to get content. If you are on the $3 level, I mean, you're going to get content on the regular feed as well, but you are not going to lose your bonus content. And if something happens that I need to react to from all the way out there in uh, foggy London town slash Liverpool slash the Balkans, which is where I'm going to be at. You guys are going to be the ones that'll get it. So uh, thank you, thank you, thank you so much to everybody who does it. And we begin with your update. Dean Phillips. Representative Dean Phillips. You ever heard of him? Well, you've heard of him now because 
Mr. Phillips, Representative Phillips, is running against Joe Biden for the Democratic nomination. He joins Marianne Williamson in that cause. Of course, RFK Jr. has dropped out and is running independent now. But his quest, Phillips, is is different. Phillips is a sitting Democratic politician, somebody that should be lining up in lockstep to support the president, but he's not. He says that Joe Biden is too old. Something is not particularly controversial, even within the Democratic Party. But still, he is going to run nearly exclusively for the New Hampshire primary, a primary that is going to run explicitly afoul of Democratic marching orders as the first in the nation. That means Dean Phillips is running in a state where he's not going to get any delegates. He doesn't seem to have much of a plan to get delegates outside of that. Joe Biden will not be officially participating in the New Hampshire primary. His name will not be on the ballot. But supporters of Joe Biden are going to be running a write-in campaign. Hoping that Dean Phillips cannot get more votes than Joe Biden, who isn't running in this race because he's not allowed to. Also, there is going to be no delegates awarded for this contest. Confused yet? Well, we're not even... (laughs) We're not even into 2024. A hearing by Secretary of State Anthony Blinken was repeatedly interrupted by protesters on Tuesday in the Senate Appropriations Committee hearing. Each time one protester was escorted out by the police, Blinken would resume his testimony only to be interrupted by another protester. Cable news networks carried several of the interruptions live, showcasing the deep divide on the left over the Biden administration's backing of the Israeli offensive into Gaza, which is obviously controlled by Hamas. Protesters raised blood-stained hands in the air, arguing that the administration has blood on its hands for its support of Israel. A few of you have asked me either on social media or via email exactly how much I feel this issue is going to affect this election. And by this election, I mean 2024. Um, my answer is little for this election. I don't believe that Israel and Gaza, and look, everything can spiral out from here, but let's imagine that the worst of it is what we're watching. If the worst of it is what we're watching, then I don't necessarily think that the... 24 election is affected by the actions of the people that are going back and forth right now. I do believe that there are larger divides amongst the Democratic electorate that could lead to reshaping going forward. I do think that the strand of foreign policy on The progressive left is not the same as the mainstream left. Now, what that means, when does it mean it? We'll see. But 
I don't believe that we are in a situation where 24 will be affected. Like, I, I don't think Joe Biden is going to be criticized for, well, he might be criticized. Is Joe Biden's funding of Israel and support of Israel a mainstream position in the Democratic Party for Joe Biden's entire life? And as we know, well, that's a long time. Is that so controversial it would cost him an election? Would It would be the tipping point reason to cost him an election? No. Although I will say this. Joe Biden 24 has all but dared progressives to stay home. Not a lot of the stuff that the progressive left, aside from Bernie getting a, a more prominent slot, is something that they can take back home and say, well, thank God. Most of the stuff that the Biden administration has done to please them has been rolled back. At least that's my view on it. And finally, the Senate Judiciary Committee on Monday announced plans to vote to subpoena a pair of billionaires who have reportedly given lavish gifts to Supreme Court Justices Clarence Thomas and Samuel Alito. It's a major escalation in the panel's investigation into Supreme Court ethics as Democratic senators push legislation to strengthen disclosure requirements and create a judicial code of conduct. Judiciary Committee Chair Dick Durbin and Sheldon Whitehouse, both Democrats, said in a statement that they plan to subpoena billionaires Harlan Crow and Robin Arkley, as well as conservative judicial activists Leonard, Leonard, Leonard Leo. Quote, it's imperative that we understand the full extent of how people with interest before the court are able to use undisclosed gifts to gain private access to justices. This is the new effort that used to go into electing justices. But now the Republicans have a majority. It doesn't seem short of a tragedy that that is going to change any time in the immediate offing. And so, you know, Democrats want to do the best they can to grease the wheels to try to find uh, a way that they can affect that branch somehow. I don't think they will. But in the meantime, it's certainly going to raise a lot of money for the Democrats. You know, Democratic voters don't cotton to Republican Supreme Court justices all that much. So making them squirm is probably going to bring in a pretty penny. So good for them. Or you can give me your money. Take politicsseriously.com where you need to go. Sign up by the $3 level. Get two bonus episodes each and every week. Let's get back to the show. Let us update our failed candidate fantasy draft. I drafted Mike Pence, Nikki Haley, and Tim Scott. As of right now, Mike Pence is wrapped. But between Haley and Scott, we are at 564 days and climbing. Evan Scrimshaw, he drafted Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy, and Ron DeSantis. He is currently at 624 days and climbing. And since Pence dropped out, feels like as good a time as ever to link up with our guest today. He writes about politics everywhere that they speak English in a few places that they don't. He writes about sports betting, political betting, 
for the lines as well as his own content. He's a great guy. He's an all-around bon vivant. His name is Evan Scrimshaw. Welcome back to the show. Thanks for having me, buddy. Okay, here we go. We finally had some movement on this failed candidate draft. Uh, Mike Pence is out. His entire campaign lasted 143 days. For folks who are just catching up, uh, at the very beginning of the protracted 2024 GOP primary, we selected, each of us, three campaigns in draft style that we felt would fail. They, these were these were campaigns we felt were doomed for disaster and it's golf rules. So the, the person that has the least amount of days by the time that I guess the, 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 the convention, I don't know. I mean, everybody will drop out before that, By the time everybody drops out. The person with the fewest days wins. The first candidate to drop out has been Mike Pence. I had him on my team with Nikki Haley and Tim Scott Scrimshaw. Your team is Asa Hutchinson, Vivek Ramaswamy and Ron DeSantis. We're going to go over all of those candidates in this conversation, but before we get on to your team, let's talk about Mike Pence leaving this race. Your thoughts? I mean, it makes sense in that, you know, he doesn't have a path. He's failing to sort of consolidate the potential evangelical lane. He's had some donor issues. I think even going back to the first debate, there was like some question about yeah. him taking longer than he should have to hit the donor requirement. And frankly, it's the first time Mike Pence has been politically astute since he managed to get the VP spot originally in 2016, because it's an acknowledgement of reality. And for somebody who's, um, let's just say, social politics don't exactly mesh with living in reality. It's a surprisingly intelligent move for Mike Pence. He doesn't have a lane. He doesn't have a shot. Another debate isn't going to give him one. So get out now and don't continue to debase yourself in a primary you don't belong in. Yeah, you know, I I gave my whole uh, eulogy for his campaign at the beginning of this episode. The the only thing that I would add to that, which largely my my thought is that, number one, vice presidents running for president is hard. It's hard when you are assuming the legacy and political base of another candidate. It's hard to do then. It might be impossible to do when that candidate's still in the race and he's running against you. Uh, And that was the position that uh, Mike Pence found himself in in this run. The other side of it is, uh, I think, the meta conversation. We're going to have more of it uh, talking about the next two candidates that we're that we're going to to go over is what is the modern evangelical candidate for Republicans? We've largely seen the two biggest wedge issues that used to animate those voters, gay marriage, which is now law of the land by way of bipartisan legislation, and uh, Roe versus Wade, which was decided. Uh, the, the evangelicals are the dog that caught the car. And, and until they find another way to motivate them, the old playbook of how to do it not only is in need of rewriting, politically speaking, but none of the people that have tried to do it this time seem to have made much of a dent. It's been more of a liability. 
than it has been a strength. Yeah, and the thing is, is that the, you know you're seeing uh, you know certain brands of Republicans try and sort of reclaim a sort of more trans skeptical, transphobic policy agenda, but the problem is, is that a there's no Republicans who feel compelled to defend trans people in the way that there was always some con- uh, more moderate conservative tendencies to defend gay people, mostly because more people know a gay person than they do a trans person. Um, but the second thing is um, trans trans rights doesn't like animate people the same way that abortion or gay rights does. It doesn't get the people no. might Republicans might be opposed to trans rights, but that doesn't get them. It doesn't get their heart heart rates up. It doesn't get the it's, money it's, flowing it's in a, the way a, that, you know, the gay rights fights of the 90s, you know, into in 2000s did. And so, yeah, there's yeah. a real. And then the other thing, of course, is that if you're Mike Pence, yeah, it is impossible to run as Trump's VP, because usually the VP is the continuer of the legacy. But Pence is not just running against the guy. He's also running against the entire administration that he was a part of, which means, yeah, (laughs) you're stuck because he's he's too Trumpy for people who want a clean, who want like a full clean break from everything to do with that guy. And he's insufficiently Trumpy for anybody who actually still has a positive opinion of Trump. So, yeah, he was stuck in no man's land. And. Well, and and, and Republicans don't want to talk about January 6th unless your name is Liz Cheney. And his entire hero. Yeah, sure. Well, there, there we go. So uh, uh, his entire hero arc is woven into January 6th. So you're talking about, hey, uh, and I think that there are uh, uh, some Republican voters that are, OK, he kept his oath. That was something that, that Pence wanted to run on. That was a core element of, the, of his book that he toured with. But people don't want to think about that, who are going to vote for him in, in the next uh, and, and donate to him in, in this side of it. And, and it also shows that there is an element of the Republican donor class and certainly the media that wants to focus on an element that this electorate clearly just doesn't want to acknowledge exists. They want to move past it. Yeah, of course. And frankly, they like, it's understandable that the primary electorate doesn't want to think about it because if you think about it too hard, then everything kind of starts to unravel and no one really wants to open that box of what did we enable, you know, who are these people? And it all makes complete sense. And of course, the other problem is that the Republican donor base, he couldn't even be the candidate of fully of the Republican donor base of the donors. Yeah. The, Tim Scott's raised more right, Tim money. Scott's raised more money. DeSantis got a bunch of big money. Even Nikki Haley now is getting some because the Republican donor base is in large part, more socially liberal than the average Republican primary voter. And they still remember Mike Pence for all of the homophobia of the early of the early 2000s. And so he's not even a great fit for the like, oh, you know, I I maybe voted for Joe Biden. I certainly don't love Trump, you know, make, you know, 10 million dollars a year sort of Democrat because, you know, those people all golf with you know uh gay people and all the time so they're not even he's not even a good fit on that uh on that front all right well let's move down the evangelical pew as it were if you are going to beat me in this failed candidate draft 
you are going to need Asa Hutchinson to drop out of this race ASAP. And he is currently running a fairly humiliating campaign from the meet the press blog. He has parted ways with his campaign manager and is currently handling all of his media inbounds. So if you would like to interview Asa Hutchinson, you can email his campaign and Asa Hutchinson will respond to you. Uh, Watching this purely as somebody that is begging for him to drop out so you can win a totally, uh, uh, <laughs> a totally fraudulent fantasy draft made for the, the entertainment of the podcast audience. How frustrating are you as a Asa Hutchinson failed fantasy, uh, failed fantasy campaign owner? So the meet the press blog doesn't even articulate it properly the reason his campaign manager has parted ways or whatever terrible euphemism we're using is because the campaign manager tried to have the come to jesus you're not winning this conversation and Aza was like actually no i'm gonna hang in this despite the fact that he didn't make the second debate stage right no he's not making the third Cause like no, because he doesn't even have the Doug Burgum thing of oh, I'll just keep I'll just keep going until uh like until I make the debate stage or until I don't make the debate stage like he doesn't even have that justification for his existence. He's like the Kyle Pitts of this draft, just hanging around for no good reason. <laughs> oh my god! I mean, I don't have a chance to beat you anymore. Like pretty much, we can just we can just say this. Like I needed a miracle and I needed Pence to go long. Now I need the miracle. Now I need two miracles. Like you're winning this. Congratulations to you. And yes, I'm proud well, of you know, look, uh, Hutchinson. Yes. Hutchinson. And I'm not going to let you Hutchinson could drop out any second now. I mean, the, it, the, the writing's been on the wall. Like you said, Mike Pence largely dropped out of this race because he wasn't going to make the Miami debate. And if he can't make the Miami debate, he's a former vice president. There is an element of writing on the wall here. You can turn the page. Uh, he can he can move into his Nixon in New York phase and just do whatever the, the hell he's going to do going forward. Asa Hutchinson, I guess he's just bored. Maybe he just is, you know, a... a, a He's 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 tired. Maybe he doesn't really have a hobby. I have no idea why ritual humiliation on the political stage is something that he is particularly into right now. But the argument for you is the overperformance of one of the people on my roster, Nikki Haley, and the person that I want to get to next because he is also in this evangelical lane. And that is Tim Scott. Now, Tim Scott is not doing well, but Tim Scott's got a lot of money. On the other hand, Tim Scott has a job as a senator, and it's always easier, as we found out during the Democratic primary, it's easier when you can go back to another job. Uh, So do you think Tim Scott stays in through Iowa? So like he's talked about this like big Iowa strategy and you know he was like flirting with double digits at some point the problem is is that the other South Carolinian and Kaylee has kind of screwed him out of an Iowa strategy like we just had the NBC Des Moines Register and Seltzer poll on Monday and the Ann Seltzer poll vaunted delivered from Mount Sinai Uh, everyone 
will uh, uh, heed the words of Ancestor. Right, Seltzer. and Nikki Haley's at 16, tied with Ron DeSantis, and Tim Scott is mid-single digits, and... <laughs> Like his his only hope of a campaign and the campaign is strategy, the strategy his campaign has totally banked on was, you know, get to second place in the Iowa polls, hope that that sort of beget more, you know, more momentum, more money, more volunteers, more energy, more national press. Like that seems to have all gone because that man is horrible on a debate stage, just absolutely garbage in a, in a debate format, especially in the like, you know, clown car curb your enthusiasm style uh, debates that these GOP debates are. So no, unfortunately, I I don't 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 know. I I don't know know if we, I don't know if we, I don't know if we talked about this, but the person on Tim Scott's team that suggested to an unmarried candidate to argue with the only woman on stage about curtains. <laughs> you need to never work in politics again. Never. Like, come on. Your job is to get this man elected. <laughs> Your job is to avoid the, 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 anything that might be a distraction, highlight all the things that can be successes. That was malpractice. Matt, because it was a designed line. He wanted he set up a conversation to get into a fight with Nikki Haley about curtains. Get out of here. Just I mean, there's that. And then there's the way that they're handling his um, alleged girlfriend. I guess is the only way of saying it. His girlfriend from Canada. Exactly. She goes to another school. I, it's literally that, though. Like, there's no more thought to this. <laughs> like, it's just that campaign doesn't really seem to know what it's doing. Um, and yeah, he has a job and he can just. And if he drops out like soon ish, he's just Kirsten Gillibrand, right? Who, like, no one remembers yeah, ran for president. That's fine. And no one, and therefore, no. didn't take any of the embarrassing. You know, didn't didn't embarrass herself because that eh, just didn't work. She went back to the Senate. Everybody's fine. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I've gotten lucky getting the the Tim Scott just hang on forever and ever. Well, this is the, the reason. And when we did this draft, the reason why I was fine with picking two South Carolinians was that everyone thinks South Carolina is a lot closer than it ever is. South Carolina is not an early state. In fact, when you hear people talk about the primaries, they always forget Nevada. <laughs> like, I don't know if you've noticed, noticed this, but it's like, well, you know, you have Iowa. Obviously, it's an evangelical land. You have North Carolina or sorry, uh, uh, New Hampshire that has the, the, the Granite State. They like a little bit more of the Maverick thing. And then you have South Carolina. Everyone forgets there's another two weeks in between that. Another two weeks of headlines, another two weeks of judgment, another two weeks of fundraising or not. uh, There's a lot of pressure that goes into that. South Carolina is the last way station for hope because out of South Carolina, you need to have the money and the explosion to get into Super Tuesday when you are at scale. You're not going state by state. You're now going into gigantic clusters of states that you're going to try to 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 patch up your delegates. So for everybody to be talking about, well, you know, just wait for South Carolina, wait for South Carolina. There ain't going to be no South Carolina except for three candidates. And if you think two of them were going to be Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, I got I got another uh, I got I got a bridge in Brooklyn to sell you. 
Yeah. And of course, the other thing is that, you know, like Martin O'Malley went to Iowa and I remember even before the results came in, I remember I was at dinner with some people before we watched the results and it was, and, there, and it was immediately obvious that if Martin O'Malley did not somehow break 15%, which he was never going to do in 2016, yeah. you know, his campaign, like he didn't have any money left because everyone spends all of the money they have in Iowa and they either Always. get, yes, you have right, to, they either raise yes. a ton of money on their better than expected performance in Iowa or they're done and literally cannot fund yeah. the New Hampshire campaign. And yeah, Tim Scott might have money now, even if he stages, you know, a fairly, you know, useless last stand in uh, in Iowa. It, he, he doesn't look like he can pull off a better than expected. And if you can't pull all that off, then the donors are going to start looking for another port in a storm to try and you know get rid of Trump. Which I think is Nikki Haley yeah. right now. Yeah, that's it, it's we're we're. we're we're looking at what will essentially be a, a, a three-person race, I think, going into Iowa, and that's Haley, DeSantis, and Trump. And right now, at least according to Ann Seltzer, the Oracle of Iowa, uh, that does not look like much of a race. Anyway, uh, fun story about the Martin O'Malley campaign. So I was doing PX3 at the time, but... I was in Iowa because we were promoting a card game that I did the contender, the game of presidential debate. And, uh, we our, our whole deal was that we were going to go to all of the different campaign offices and we we're going to give the, uh, their staff, uh, a copy of the game. So we went to all the different staffs, Martin O'Malley's empty. There's like two people there. And by the end of it, uh, we were normally asking uh, each each you know staff like, hey, what's going on? Where, where, where do you guys hang out? We we'd love to you know watch the results with some of the camp with some of the 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 people who are actually involved in this. It was the Martin O'Malley people that were asking us where to hang out that night. <laughs> they were checked out. It was that they were already trying to figure out what to do with the chairs by the time that that uh, uh, caucus night was approaching. It was among the, uh, uh, the the more the more pathetic of the of those of those uh, those stops. God, what a fun that 2016. <laughs> what, it feels like it was 25 years ago. But also, I remember it all like it was yesterday. I know, I know, I know. Is all there right. any chance? Well, let's go through the rest of these. The Haley Renaissance means that that RDS loses his money and then bails. Is there any hope of this? Or is this well, pre-Iowa? No, pre-Iowa, no. But I do think that we are we are on the clock for a Desantis exit. Uh, maybe before New Hampshire. I do think that that either Haley or DeSantis and we'll see. Look, there's there's a cold winter between now and that caucus. So a lot of things can rise and fall. We're, we're, we'll, we'll get to that in a second. There's one more person I want to talk about before we get into DeSantis, and that is Vivek Ramaswamy. Ramaswamy mania. Boy, fun five minutes, huh? Oh, God. Uh, uh, but it looks like looks like it's over. Yeah, for sure. Partially because he has no like actual reason for existing beyond like he was a fun campaign if you didn't think too hard about it. But a we actually had to hear him speak, which didn't do him well. But two, there's no actual rationale for his campaign. Right. He supports Donald Trump. He wants Donald Trump to be the next president. 
So if yeah. you like Vivek, cool, great. You could like Vivek, but why would you vote for Vivek when he is pretty clearly not running to be president of the United States? Like, and I said it before, he is running. He is this cycle's Pete Buttigieg, and he has accomplished the thing that Buttigieg did by going to Iowa, winning, going to New Hampshire, and coming second, which is making himself a force to do something else with and whether it's Vivek wanting to run for governor in Ohio in, you know, two years or three years, uh, or, you know, if he just wants to, you know, go be a business guy and take his, you know, extra, get to take his donor list and his extra half million followers on Twitter to do whatever. He now has options in a way that he didn't have eight months ago when nobody had heard of him. So great. Congrats. He did his job. He's going to go be a surrogate for Donald Trump for the next 12 months. Might as well just get this process. The question is when the question. Now, I would say I have always targeted Vivek as somebody that could drop out at any moment. There's no there from now until Iowa. There's no moment that I would be surprised that Vivek stands up and says, I'm going to do the hard thing and I'm going to coalesce around the standard bearer, Donald Trump. I, I think he could do it five seconds from now. So I, I do think that there is a part of this for you that you could have a hard headed Tim Scott stay in there. Nikki Haley could go the distance. I think she she right now is positioned to stay in until uh, South Carolina. But I think Vivek could drop out at any second. Yeah, I mean, he's qualified for Miami, so he'll probably do Miami and then. Oh, no. Yeah, he'll he'll be he'll be on the stage. But that's the other thing is that I think it's funny you mentioned Buttigieg because I would say that's kind of an insult to Buttigieg in that it seemed like Buttigieg desperately wants to be a part of Democratic Party politics. I have no such indication that Vivek isn't just going to have this thing. He'll have a popular podcast and he'll just be a biotech entrepreneur for the rest of That's his life. Possible. There's I just no... mean it in that they both came from yeah. like actually like from national obscurity to a name that most people recognize. Yes. But yeah, no, I mean, Vivek will make Miami. If he doesn't get a polling surge, you've got Thanksgiving around the corner. Maybe that's when he has to come to Jesus conversation with some, you know, family members he hasn't seen in a while. But, yeah, I think he he's definitely liable to just be like, what's the best way? What's the best way I can end this? What's the best stunt I could pull? Maybe he'll go to one of the courthouses that Donald Trump is appearing at and announce on the stage with Trump as Trump is walking in for one of his million court appearances like the 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 Ramaswamy like announcement that he's that he's ending it is going to be so much more fun than everybody else's because he's going to go he's going to do something yeah. crazy and it's going to be fun as hell to watch no he's going to do a, a pro wrestling reveal he's going to rip off his shirt and it's going to be uh, Trump 2024 underneath it this is this is all uh, 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 faded here all right so let's let's talk quickly about DeSantis he is tied now with Nikki Haley in Iowa. He has tried to reboot his campaign seven times. He has a burn rate that we have, have uh, very rarely seen in presidential politics. The one thing that he has not been able to reboot is the amount of money that he spends on his uh, uh, campaign. 
He has a very, very formidable super PAC, but at, at a certain point, exactly how long does that keep going? I think he's in for Iowa. I don't think that you can spend that much money leading into this and then say uh, uh, no to Iowa. The only question is, and this is where I want to ask you, of all the candidates that we've listed, let's take Vivek out. They have all had, to one extent or another, a contentious relationship with Donald Trump. Are there any that you can see are brought back into the fold by MAGA? Because that, to me, is the only thing that gets DeSantis out of this race, is some kind of reunion with Big Chungus. So, I can I can see it. And I do think if you're DeSantis trying to get out and get some form of tacit endorsement for 2028 would be reasonable. The problem, of course, is that DeSantis has gone harder than a lot of others on that. A lot of the people who might actually still need Trump's, you know, tacit approval or, or not just hatred. You know, um, like yeah. he's, he's gone hard. He's gone hard to Trump. He hasn't played the game like he hasn't even left the door open really to any form of reconciliation like Nikki Haley has because she's very clearly trying to be his VP. Um, but, yeah, I think it would be smart for him to do it. But I've said that about 14,000 things he's done in this campaign and none of it's happened <laughs> because and, and again, I'm not necessarily saying he was ever going to win this. I don't know that like his campaign malfeasance has cost him a win, but he should not be tied with Nikki Haley in Iowa. That no, not happen. no, that, that, that that's an unacceptable I, performance I, for the amount of money that he spent in that state. Absolutely. I mean, like he should be within 10 points of Donald Especially Trump given that in that state for the for amount Donald of money that he spent. Super impressive given his national polling. Like Iowa is no, still and, a and, and relatively when you, when you, bad state for him. And when you look at, at the, the Anselser poll, DeSantis is the most liked. Iowa likes DeSantis the most. They just don't want to vote for him. <laughs> they don't want to caucus for him because they don't think he's going to win. They don't think he's going to win. So, they, so that he hasn't that, articulated uh, like a, 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 a like an a, like a real coherent vision for what he wants. He's just sometimes he's just agrees with Mega. Sometimes he decides to do some like some other stuff. But there's no coherent through line of anything he does or anything he says. Yeah. And and all the stuff, you know, he he did some, you know, like flying Floridians out of Israel and stuff like that. Like that was the stuff that I thought he was doing last summer uh, or or the summer before he started running for president. And I was like, oh, these are the things that he's going to do when he runs for president. No, he put out Elizabeth Warren policy positions and did no media. And it's like, like, I don't know that that seems like a campaign that was so inside of its own head. I, I actually do. I, I would compare it a lot to Elizabeth Warren's campaign. It was it was all plans and no execution, which was weird because the thing that got him onto the spotlight or on, on in, into the center stage was actions that might not have been thought through all that much, which which was resonated with the MAGA base. It, yeah, it's been a, it's been a campaign that's been lacking in stunts and like. Whatever yeah. you think of the morality of, you know, the sending the sending the migrants to Martha's Vineyard and the fights he's picked in Florida, like 
they were good political stunts. They got coverage. They got headlines. Yeah. They showed him. As and, a and by the way, by the way, he was on the right side with that. Uh, certainly, like, like now GOP the northern states. Yeah. Like, I mean, it, it now that now uh, Illinois and New York are complaining about migrants, and and the, 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 there is a sense that that burden has now been shared from the southern states to the northern states. That's something that I've said from the beginning. If you're sending the people to Martha's Vineyard, then take credit for it now. Say that 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 you were part of the thing that that happened along with the other southern state governors. I don't know. There's just been absolute political malpractice in 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 the DeSantis campaign and and it wasn't cheap. No. It was high-priced political and that's, malpractice. And that's the so that's the reason I think they they might run out is that their burn rate is so high that if if yeah. the donors really start going to Nikki Haley like they might literally not have enough money to get through December. Well, we will uh, we will see. Okay, Uh, last thing, either swing state polling for Biden or Dean Phillips. Has any of this changed your overall sense of a 2024 race for Joe Biden? No, because like the thing is, I don't buy swing state polling two months out or three weeks out. So I'm really not going to pay that much attention yeah. to it. 13 months out. Um, so it's uh, so it's so it's it, it, it's on the radar, but you're not paying attention to it. Yeah. Like I'm aware makes, of like, what like it is. It is something, something, something to keep. Yeah. It. Keep just just keep an eye on it. Yeah. yeah. I just and the thing is, is that like a lot of the poll discourse is just people cherry picking. Uh, either high profile polls or things, yeah, um, polls that that meet a narrative, and and that's fine. We're all bored. We're all just waiting for something to happen. You know, Kentucky didn't turn out to be interesting, so we need stuff to talk about. The primary is pretty boring outside <laughs> of this this construct that we're talking about. Yeah. Um, my only Dean Phillips take exactly. is that it's really interesting to see somebody explicitly running for president to knife another candidate without the expectation that they would then be the person who benefits. Like there's the famous line in British politics that you don't want to be the Hesseltine. You don't want to be the person who knifes the incumbent. You want to be the person who's yes. there yeah. when someone else has put the knife in their back. It's really interesting for me that Dean yeah. Phillips is running as the Michael Hesseltine to Joe Biden's Margaret Thatcher. And it's really funny that all of the potential John Majors are like, nope, not me. I don't want anything to do with this. I ain't, I ain't here. Yeah. Uh, it's a stunning bet for Phillips that regardless, he's not going to be the president. Phillips isn't. But he's betting Biden isn't <laughs> and he's betting that the Biden organization is scattered to the winds because otherwise he doesn't have a career in politics in the party that he is currently a part of. I mean, or he was just basically bored in the house and decided, hey, why not? Just if I'm taking my exit, I might as well might as well go out in a blaze of glory. But yeah, I don't. Well, and, don't and also it. be a hero and be a hero in New Hampshire. Because that's the other side of this is this entire campaign is built on the idea that Manchester sends its revenge to Joe Biden for attempting to strip New Hampshire of the first in the nation primary because his entire campaign is based in New Hampshire. He says he's going to break the New Hampshire town hall record. This is about New Hampshire, New Hampshire, New Hampshire, and forcing Joe Biden to run a write in an embarrassing write in campaign that 
for for the record is all of Joe Biden's own making. None of this had to happen. Joe Biden picked this fight and now is going to have to run a writing campaign so he doesn't get totally embarrassed. I mean, it's I mean, the 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 ways that Biden doesn't campaign in New Hampshire, but as doing it to get New Hampshire, like how many times is he going to go do a policy announcement in Boston in January? Just so. Oh, God. Yeah. Just so he can get New Hampshire media coverage without going to New Hampshire and like fully admitting that he that he screwed this up. It's going to be great. Yeah. Yeah. I, All right. I love this campaign. Evan. It's sorry. Anything? No, no. I just love, I just uh, love this oh, campaign. Oh, the Biden campaign? I just love every part of all of this. <laughs> it's like we're all having fights about things that don't matter because everybody knows that it's going to be Biden-Trump. So we're just trying to fill, you know, eight months of time until we finally get to this point. It's great. I love it. It's all a waste of time. I it's, love it. It's, it. It's the doth protest. Well, number one, somebody started to have to make a you know, show about this, but uh, uh, th- this is this is the, the the doth protest too much election. We've spent two years talking about how America wants anything other than Trump and Biden. But do we? But do we? <laughs> no, we want Trump and Biden one more time. Uh, Evan, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. And that'll wrap it up for us today. Politics, 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 written and hosted by me, Justin Robert Young, for Dog and Pony Show Audio in Austin, Texas. If you would like to thank Mr. Evan Scrimshaw for coming on the show, you can do so. PX3Guest.com, letter P, letter X, number three, guest.com. You can send me an email, theyoungamerican at gmail.com. Twitter is PX3Tweets. Or Justin R. Young for me. Find me live on Twitch, px3live.com. You can support me on this uh, podcast here, px3podcast.com. If you want to send me a one-time donation, you can do so. PayPal.me slash payjury. Venmo is justin-young-20. You can hit me up on Cash App, PX3 Cash, or anything you'd like in the mail. P.O. Box 1531-84, Austin, Texas, 787 one five. Of course, you can always get our bonus content at TakePoliticsSeriously.com. $3 tier gets you two bonus podcasts per week covering all the news we miss on our free podcasting schedule. Our $10 tier gets your name read at the end of the show like these fine folks in the Titanic. $10 tier, ye old pinball shop. John, DP4Bongo, Sam, John. This one hasn't just J-O-N. The other one was J-O-H-N. Edward, Kathy Mack, and vote Gloria Young for King of the New World Order. Brian, Edison, Jeremy, a dog named Checkers. Sarah Jeannie, Matthew, Dr. G, his nerdiness, Charles, Neil, Darren, Idris Arslanian, Berkeley Steven, Nomadic Terran, Molly's delightful demeanor, Adam, Chief Andy, Robert, Casey, Paul, Dustin, Brad, D-Laser, Nick, just another pilot, middle-aged Mike, Utah, Jimmy, Montana. Jim, the Jen, D. Really, Chopper, Andrew, Adam L., and Gloria, my mom. You want to join their ranks, you can do so. Just uh, head on over to uh, TakePoliticsSeriously.com. And uh, you can sign up. Get your name right at the end of the show. These are the good episodes. The ones you want your name read on. All right.
That's it for us today. On Friday's edition of the show, we are joined by Eric Geller of The Messenger. We're going to talk about Joe Biden's artificial intelligence executive order and really a global trend of AI regulation. It's been a while since Eric was on the show. It's going to be a good time. Till then, this is your old pal Justin Robert Young saying... Some shows talk about politics, others talk about politics, and still more discuss politics. But this, this is the only show that dares discuss. Club hopes you have enjoyed this program. <laughs> Dog and Pony Show Audio.